organizations we work together with Matrix are, are three central needs that uh, to prepare as leaders in, in crisis to be a challenge for those organizations because they are not uh, centralized by relying on the complex organizations. To discuss the current events in Ukraine and surrounding countries, I'm joined today by Harriet Brennan, Security Manager for the UK and Ireland, and Jakob Thompson, Security Manager in Northern Europe. Both responsible for supporting our clients impacted by the crises, we'll address the most pertinent questions asked by our clients and in tandem unpack the key takeaways we have observed thus far to help with organizational resilience in future. In dealing with the crisis over the past four months, we have managed over 1,500 related security cases, and you both have worked extremely closely with our clients to support with their crisis management response and resilience. Harriet, what would be the most common question and or challenge you have seen thus far? Well, I think the challenges and and concerns have obviously changed across the course of the crisis. But I would say, especially after the 24th of February, organizations were very focused on the response. And the really difficult thing was that, you know, they were suddenly having to react and, and often without much in the way of preparations in place. So one sort of key concern or, or topic I saw was related to understanding exposure. And this is quite interesting because this, I think we can say is, you know, a bit of a a result of the pandemic where we saw a lot of organizations had people either operating remotely or with um, different sort of working from home policies. And that obviously has then the problem of understanding actually where are people? Do you go um, off the assumption that they're at their registered home address? Could they be visiting family in another part of the country? Really, really difficult to be able to understand that, especially for a large employee base. But there was also the problem of then how to manage people when you do understand where they are. So there were many organizations, um, for instance, that were looking at relocating people, especially from Kiev to Western um, Ukraine. But often, you know, they had thousands of employees and the practicalities of then having to think about who to move, how are you moving them and when were incredibly challenging, especially if this hadn't been considered before, you know, as part of business continuity or or general crisis management planning. And on top of that as well, you had additional challenges like those employees that may not want to leave or or those that could have been called to support um, military efforts or not being able to leave the country if, if that was one of the considerations. So really, really challenging in the practical sense. And of course, you know, the actual understanding of what the realities were on the ground, especially for senior management that may not have been based in Ukraine. The situation was so fast paced and complex that it was really hard to stay on top of what was happening and be able to make decisions based on that. And of course, local employees are you know, well-placed to provide information on, on that kind of aspect, but this was by no means easy, especially if they were also trying to manage you know, different aspects of, of um, crisis management in the organization as well. Jakob, how does this vary to the questions or challenges that you've seen most often with your clients? As an old officer and, and soldier deployed several times, I've really learned the lesson of, of being ready and taking leadership 
Uh, and some of our organizations we work together with uh, are organized as matrix or, or decentralized organizations have showed me that, that some challenges uh, to prepare and act fast, which is needed in, in crisis, could tend to be a challenge for those organizations because they are not uh, centralized by relying on the complex organization to handle that challenge simply because uh, communication lines are difficult to understand for people in the, in the affected country. It's also difficult for them to understand like internally who is actually responsible for, for these decisions to be made because it hasn't been pinpointed out from the beginning. That, that caused quite a lot of, uh, of stress to organization even before we saw the, the escalation. In hearing these common challenges, it's extremely apparent how impacted crisis management teams have been throughout when it comes to decision-making, escalations, de-escalations. So Jakob, how have you seen the roles and responsibilities within a crisis management team evolve throughout the situation? Yeah, absolutely. It's really went through a big development. First of all, I think we should remember that many of these crisis management teams have, they have been active to some extent for the last two years under COVID which also means that the persons in these teams have actually been stressed because it is a stress factor to, to do crisis management when it's active. Uh, they have been under a lot of pressure and, and a very difficult times with opening and closing and understanding the, the landscape from COVID-19 and what it did to their businesses. And then we see this uh, kind of large scale uh, escalation. And that was quite interesting to see them actually uh, just jumping back on the horse and really uh, key to, to take care of their people and, and lead that crisis again. Even though uh, many didn't expect a crisis like that to be uh, to be in place, uh, they were quite uh, agile and, you know, really having a positive mental attitude on on uh, doing it. And it has also been quite breathtaking to, to see uh, clients and the effort they put in to supporting the situation. That's crisis management team after that initial phase of handling the crisis, uh, limiting uh, the, the impact on the business, then proceeding to more uh, as a crisis support. Uh, and what I mean by that is the effort in relocation and evacuation out of the country, transportation, even housing, that's far more from a, to expect from a crisis management team what I've seen before. I think it's really interesting that you've said that, Jakob, because going back to what you were saying about crisis management teams being very stressed and back to your earlier point as well about sort of with some of them having really complex organizations and being able to manage that i think we've definitely all seen that this escalation has put a lot of pressure on crisis management teams and especially for those personnel obviously operating within the country as well it was incredibly stressful for those that didn't have clearly defined responsibilities or in some cases where you may have had people in charge of coordinating a response that perhaps didn't have any experience in security or crisis management. And that can lead to really, really challenging situations where decisions need to be taken and often in very quick timeframes. But then you have, you know, people being hesitant or overwhelmed with the amount they need to do and the significance as well of the decisions they need to make and it actually leads to things becoming stalled and, and effectively nothing mo moving forward which again just adds to that sort of intensity of their position and, and the stressful nature of the decision making. We, we also saw that this was quite far-reaching for organizations because this wasn't just simply 
something for you know security or, or um, crisis management teams you also had many different parts of organizations being brought in to help with these decisions so with a few companies um, actually that i was speaking to they were looking to relocate their Ukrainian personnel to other office loca locations across Europe. But with that comes many different additional considerations and different stakeholders that need to help with those decisions. For instance, what are the tax implications of moving people? So again, adding to that sort of complex nature of, of trying to make decisions in a, a timely manner. There are obviously a lot of changing complexities, which we have both addressed today, not only to protect those that are impacted, but to ensure their safety, health, and well-being throughout a very fluid situation. So I'd like to conclude today's episode by asking each of you what key piece of advice you would give listeners if you reflect on the situation based on the support you have been providing organizations thus far. Especially from a global crisis management perspective, sometimes I think it's important to go back to the basis of leadership and actually being there in person, supporting your, your per people on the ground, holding their hand in, in preparing for, for a relocation or evacuation or, or even just preparing for and helping them understand what they should have in place in person. We have through the COVID been very used to, to do everything over Teams or meetings, which is quite difficult to actually uh, do leadership through. So, so being there as a point of contact and support for your people could actually face a, a big uh, value for your people. Just when, when you are doing a business abroad, I think that that understanding the culture and the environment you find yourself and your business in, and all the underlying risk of that uh, is, is key. Planning in triggers that could lead to escalations, you know, building scenarios, most likely, less likely, and most dangerous as an organization to be prepared and better to act timely with confidence is, is uh, a value you, you could add. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said, Jacob. I think understanding the risks is key. The trigger is not just when a situation is escalating, but also when a situation may be stabilizing as well to help with those conversations about, okay, we've left a location. When should we start moving people back? And, uh, you know, of course, we can't prepare for every possible escalation. But I think what is really, really key is to ensure that at least basic sort of business continuity and, and crisis management plans are in place to really support with those decisions like who are your essential versus non-essential personnel, which can then help you when you need to react in understanding who you need to move and when. And I think, you know, the, the last thing that I might say is also to understand in your organization what is the current sort of roles and responsibilities. Make sure that everyone is comfortable with their responsibilities and test it. You know, it shouldn't be that you get to a sort of escalation or, or crisis type scenario, and then you have, you know, people having to actually step up into these, these roles that they may not be familiar with and, and make very significant and incredibly hard sometimes decisions, but to make sure that they're, they have that sort of understanding before you get to that situation and, and they know what would be expected of them. And finally, of course, just to know what potentially the gaps may be. 
so you don't have to always do things you know on your own that you can get that sort of help from your partners from third parties to help with your decision making with giving sort of additional advice and and supporting with that timely response that's that's needed in these types of scenarios it's about collaboration you know you don't have to go it alone with this and that also helps with the intense stress that that we often see on crisis management teams well, that just leaves me to thank Harriet and Jakob for their insights and to thank you for listening to the International SOS Situation Update podcast. To find out more on the situation, visit our Ukraine and surrounding countries webpage on the International SOS site and stay tuned for our next episode.